You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley, SAB, the CV, copyright 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another South Beach Sessions. He's the best-selling author and national affairs analyst for NBC News and MSNBC. He's also the host, executive producer, and creator of Showtime's The Circus, inside the greatest political show on earth. I recommend that show to you on Showtime. It's fun, and they do it a little bit differently. Let's start there, John, and thank you for joining us. I imagine Trump was very good for your show, and I imagine the show has <laughs> has really found its voice in the last four or five years, uh, really accentuating uh, the crazy. Yeah, you know, Dan, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, first time call, long time fan. Uh, uh, you know, we started the show in 2016 to cover one election. That was, you know, we thought we were going to be one and done. And uh, it has a, it's a very hard show to make because we make a, basically a real time documentary every week. So we start everything we shoot, we shoot in the week that about leading up to, we shoot, edit, produce, do the whole thing from starting basically on a Sunday, on a mon Monday usually, and, and shoot through Saturday. And then we have to show up on the air on Sunday. So, no one had really ever done that before, and we didn't really know what we were doing when we decided to to try to to cover the presidential campaign in 2016 that way. I think, like a lot of people, it was you know you could imagine. I think you're you're anybody who hears that thinks you guys are out of your mind. You're like really are building the airplane on takeoff. Um, and I, I think you know one and done was probably the right way to think about that. <laughs> to one year and we'd be finished, and then. You know, Hillary Clinton was going to be the most likely president of the United States. The idea that there would be a circus to cover in Washington, D.C. after a Clinton election didn't seem like an obvious thing. Uh, and then Trump won and um, Showtime and all of us thought, well, <laughs> the circus goes on. Uh, and we've been doing it, you know, we're in the middle of the eighth season now. We just uh, had our, our mid-season finale on last Sunday night. And... Um, uh, so we've done 120 some odd episodes of the show. And I think you're right. I mean, look, Trump, he's good for the show, bad for the country, good for the show, you know, uh, good, good for the show in the sense that people, I think a lot of people who 
before 2016 were, if, if, if they were interested in politics at all, were casually interested, like they paid attention when there was a presidential election uh, and not much else. A lot of people became engaged with politics in the course of the Trump years. And I'd say that's true on both the left and the right. People who, you know, were, as I said, casual now became obsessed with politics. I would have people, you know, who used to come up to me. I used to get stopped in a supermarket, not that often. And someone would say, Hey, I really like you on, on, uh, on, uh, on morning Joe or whatever. Uh, cause I work at MSNBC also. Uh, and then, you know, during the Trump years, it was like dozens of people every day on the street and usually not just saying things like, Hey, I saw you on TV, but rather, are we going to be okay? Is the country going to be okay? What's going to happen next? You know, like much more kind of existential kind of questions. And so let me stop you right there. Are yeah. we going to be okay? Yep. Are, are we going to be okay? Yes. I don't know. I've never like, you know, I'm, I'm 57 years old. I've never really, I've never answered that question any other way than absolutely. Yes. America's the greatest country in the world. And you know, we've been through a lot of shit and we'll be fine. Um, and now I don't know. And I, I don't know for reasons that will probably open up some interesting, some things you want to talk about, but you know, the level of polarization in the country now is so intense and you know, you, you'd have to go back to the civil war, the actual original first civil war, the civil war to, to find a time when there's been so much antipathy between the two sides of the cultural, political, social divide. And it's not, in this case, it's not just that, uh, unlike the Civil War then, where there were profound differences of views about like slavery and how the country's economics should be organized and all of that. Now it's, there's those same disagreements and they're very deep and very passionate and people really, really are like team, not, you know, there's obviously lots of Americans who aren't uh, on team red or team blue, but there are a lot of people who are very fiercely partisan on one side or the other. And it's not just that they disagree about things like what tax policy should be or should America be actively engaged in uh, military operations abroad. They disagree about the nature of reality now. You know, it's like the 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 whole the, the they live we live in two countries that see things as we see just the facts of the case as being totally different. So you know you you know they're you know Donald Trump's uh, arrest last or not his indictment last week, his arraignment this week is going to see, be seen by, uh, you know, a third to 40% of the country as, as the first sign of accountability, the first uh, glimmer that like justice will be brought to a criminal president. And another 30 or 40% of the country think it's a travesty of justice. It's just all politics. It's a witch hunt. And Trump didn't, has done, not only has done nothing wrong, but has done everything right. The, the facts in this case will be disputed. People will say not just, you know, that, 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 Hey, it should be fine to pay off a porn star, but you know, Trump didn't do any of these things. He was set up. There was a conspiracy against him. That divide is very hard to close. And, and because of the after effects of January 6th, where it feels to me like political violence is more, uh, people are more willing to contemplate it and, and maybe engage in it than they have been anytime in our lifetimes that's what worries me is that like the divide is so deep and the nature of the divide is so profound and people are now open to solutions that are, that used to be unthinkable. Uh, you know, that's why I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be okay. And I don't know, I don't know what the roadmap is out of it either. In case you're going to ask me, how do we fix it? I have well, no why the hell clue. am I having you on then? Like you got no <laughs> answers for anything. I'm asking you very basic questions. You're spending a lot of time thinking about, and you're asking me the most existential questions we have. And they're also ones that are speculative. They're about the future. I can talk to you about why I think things are so screwed up. I just don't know, you know, 
I don't know that anybody has an answer to how to fix it or, you know, anybody who's been in the prediction business has, has, has had a hard time these last few years. You know, a lot of, we had a lot of black swan events. What do you feel dumbest about getting the most wrong? Uh, I think that, uh, I mean, I think we, uh, that, that a lot of people, when I, when in 2016, I was right about an important thing, which was, I thought Trump could be the Republican nominee from the time he got in. And, and I thought that the Republican party had changed in a way that would make it possible. I thought, I have thought for a long time that the parties had become kind of hollowed out and, and, and that people didn't have any real association or affiliation with the parties. Like no one gives a shit about the democratic party and the Republican party anymore. And that the Republican Party particularly was ripe for a kind of hostile takeover. So I thought he could win it. And a lot of people thought I was nuts for that. And then I thought equally, <laughs> with equal confidence, there was no way uh, that given the way that the American electorate had been changing, uh, particularly after the two Obama victories, uh, a more diverse electorate, uh, a, a younger electorate, all of that stuff meant that the demographics would make it impossible for Donald Trump to win the presidency in 2016. I did not, I just didn't see it. And I, I'm not alone, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't put that together. And I'd say the corollary to that, honestly, Dan is, is that in 2020, you know, the, there was a common way of thinking about what would happen in 2020 in that election, which was, you know, Donald Trump has done nothing in four years to add anybody to his electoral coalition. You know, he's campaigned, just to his base, just to the MAGA faithful. He'd done nothing to, you know, try to bring the country together. You know, if you think about, um, you know, George W. Bush, after winning a very narrow election in 2020, or in, 20, in, uh, in 2000, uh, contested Supreme Court. Uh, he was in a minority. He didn't win the popular vote. The first thing he did when he got into office was he went and passed a big education reform that got 70 some uh, votes in the Senate. Big bipartisan win. It was like, I have to, his thinking was, I have to get a bunch of people who didn't vote for me in 2000 in my column if I'm going to get reelected in 2004. That's kind of conventional political thinking. You know, you you want to add, not uh, not just keep talking to the people who already support you. Trump did the opposite of that for four years. And when you rolled into 2020, it's like, well, he lost the uh, the popular vote to Hillary Clinton in, in 2016. A lot of people are now even are more turned off. How could he possibly win in 2020? And that's another thing I thought. I, I knew that the Trump people were saying, we are going to find people who didn't vote in 2016, who that's how we're going to add, not by convincing people who voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016 to switch to Donald Trump against Joe Biden, but we're going to go find hardcore MAGA voters who didn't vote in 2016 and turn those people out. And I did not believe that, that, that there would be anything like the numbers of those people available to Trump to see him do what he did in 2020, not win the election, but get millions more votes than he got in 2016. Millions more. I mean, and and I, I, you know, I think that what the both of those things add up to is that I think I have a decent appreciation for how pissed off, frustrated, angry, alienated, uh, and dissociated I would say from reality when you when it comes to the conspiracy theory, you know, QAnon people. I did not in 2016, nor in 2020, even though I was a little better. I did not get the depth of it. And the, and the breadth of it. And I think it's the thing that I've tried to be more wised up to now is just how many people there are who are fully outside what we would consider mainstream discourse. How do they get their news? What are they, why do people believe that uh, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, the Bushes, Bill Clinton are engaged today in a child, in a giant global tr uh, child sex trafficking conspiracy? 
Why do they believe that? There's millions of people who believe that. Honestly, it's true. How is that possible? Um, that's the thing that I think a lot of us are trying to, at least I am trying to get my head around. How did that, how can that be? Because, you know, you can think whatever you want about the deep state, but I think the notion that there's this, there's a giant global sex trafficking conspiracy of uh, pedophiles who've run, who've been the past, most of the past American presidents and every family you've ever read about in politics for the last 30 or 40 years. I think that's nuts. Uh, but a lot of people think it's true. Stu out here for my friends over at Simply Safe. When you travel, do concerns back home nag you? Did you lock up? Did you leave a window open? That's why I recommend investing in Simply Safe Home Security today for award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. I've had Simply Safe in my home for many years now. The peace of mind it gives me, especially during the summertime, when I'm all over the place, is incredible. Because I know the things I care about, the things I value back home. I can always keep an eye on it using Simply Safe's indoor and outdoor cameras. So do me a favor. Before you head out on your next vacation, make sure to protect your whole home with Simply Safe's variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, plus add sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day, no contracts to worry about, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. So right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash DLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. What do you find more dismaying? What are some of the things you find more dismaying than the alternate realities that suggest a hopelessness if people are going to look at facts, if they're going to see the same thing and they're going to see totally opposite things? I don't see where a bridge can be built there or how you build the bridge. What's more dismaying than that to you as someone who comes from media and vetting and, you know, whatever people say about the media being uh, right. biased, uh, you know yeah. that the media was aspiring at least to something that wasn't that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't know if there's anything, I mean, look, I mean, the, there are the, 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 the persistence of uh, unarmed uh, black men, mostly getting shot in the streets by, uh, by police officers. I'm a, I think most law enforcement uh, does a really good job and a really hard job and, and most cops are good people, but we still have a really pr pretty, if you just look at the numbers, we have a pretty profound systemic problem with, uh, with, with the administration of justice in the country where it is, you know, mostly uh, that we have too many of those instances that like that continues to be such a large problem in so many places. It's not uh, an epidemic, but it's way too common in America. That's, I find, you know, obviously hugely troubling. And that's obviously connected to a larger pattern of persistent uh, uh, racial bias and 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 uh, endemic kind of racism in, in the society that I find that really troubling. I find, uh, you know, the fact that, that our, we don't have a, in a world where, um, where, where the rewards in the economy uh, globally uh, go go largely now. They've gone more and more towards, and are going to only go more and more and more towards uh, people who are highly educated, uh, and that the people who are on the bottom rung of the income of the education and skills ladder uh, do worse and worse, relatively speaking. And it's part of why there's so much frustration is that so many families in America have not seen their positions, their prospects improve over the course of the last thirty years. I find that incredibly dispiriting, uh, but really this thing that we were just talking about the 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 holy sealed hermetically sealed information bubbles that americans live in now where we can't talk to each other on a on a, on a place of common ground about not just about like 
conspiracy theories and some of the crazy, really crazy shit that, that we, that you could talk about, but just, you know, the country has big problems, you know, um, education, uh, you know, social welfare, uh, the, the retirement, uh, healthcare, all these big, these big national problems. You can't really help to solve the big problems that the country faces. If you can't have a conversation where at least we agree on the facts, even if we disagree on the solutions. And, and so that, that that gap, that divide, that inability to close that gap and, and be able to have a conversation where you're, as Pat Moynihan used to say, you're entitled to your own opinions, but not to your own facts. That's, you know, to me, the big one. It's the, it's the one, and it's the one that I've seen in the course of my, how old are you, Dan? I'm 54. All right. So we're basically the same age. It's the one that I've seen accelerate the most over our time in media where, you know, if somebody told me 30 years ago that they thought the New York Times was a liberal newspaper, I would say, I agree with that. You know, the, the New York Times is a liberal. It is, you know, and it's not just that the opinion page is liberal. It's that uh, they, they, it, I could imagine how if I was fiercely anti-abortion, how I would think that the news coverage in the Times slanted in a way that that was unfair. I think there there are been places where liberal bias in uh, in in mainstream news coverage and in, in broadcast television and in, in some of the big East Coast establishment newspapers, you could see it. It wasn't they weren't wrong about that. But it was those were people who were still, you know, we I think we would agree. These were people who were like trying to get the story right and not trying and trying, you know, fighting against their own biases. Everybody has them. Everyone has their own their opinions. Right. And so the journalists get in the business to kind of be like, how do I test in the course of reporting something, testing your biases, testing your your inclinations. And I think we all looked I, again, if in our business, people looked at places like The Times and The Post and said, do they get everything right? No. Do they have some biases? Yes. Are they trying their best to get to the truth? Yes. And that presumption is not shared at all anymore well, among where, a large swathe of Americans. But where and how did that happen, right? Because I've said this before, one of the greatest heartbreaks of my life is someone who loves the ideals, ideals of journalism and thinks they're important to protect democracy. How and why can an orange oaf with no grace whatsoever convince people more that he's a man of the people who's not a criminal grifter and that the american media is so biased and corrupt that it's more biased and corrupt than he is i think that uh i mean look part of it what happened is is technology happened and like it's an answer that a lot of people don't love to hear because it seems to like be too kind of clinical in some way but, you know, in 1996, uh, Fox News and MSNBC both started, just as an example. It's not the only place where this is true. But, you know, the, 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 the 500 channel cable universe gave an opportunity for people to build what is perceived, what was perceived at the time. There's a liberal network in MSNBC. Broadly, this is what people thought. And Fox News was going to be the conservative network. You know, they, they marketed themselves as being fair and balanced, but they were the conservative network. And, and that's what Roger Ailes foresaw was that there were a bunch of people who felt like they weren't served well by those, by, by, by the liberal media, what was seen as liberal mainstream media. And that, you know, you went from the 500 channel universe to the web and then the rise of what was then the blogosphere. And now we have social media. And now we have more uh, places where the segmentation of information uh, has become more and more extreme. And what and Facebook, obviously, in places like that, where millions of Americans get their news from Facebook, you know, <laughs> where there's not really an editor. There's no journalistic standards. There's no news organizations there. This is just people passing shit around. And I think that that opening up, the getting rid of the gatekeepers 
and allowing everyone to have a voice has done some good things. But what it also did was it created the, you know, they, in like linguistics theory, they, they use this, there's this phrase called epistemic closure, where it's like, you're just talking, you just, and, and confirmation bias, these two ideas of, we just want to hear what we already believe. And, and we want to hear that reflected back to us. And then we're only talking to people who believe all the same things. And as that became the, the dominant paradigm in the media, the, the craziness kind of in, in both of those, in all the existing bubbles kind of became more pronounced. And I, I think it's, I do think it's like you got, you got into the business where um, people, it's like in politics, you know, the, the, the competition in politics now, the, the thing that, that, that dominates our politics. If you think about like, why is Trump so powerful in the Republican Party? People say, well, because the MAGA base does what he says. And if he turned against you as a Republican official, you would get primaried, right? So the dominant thing in our politics now is fear. Fear on the right that if you don't, if you don't hew to the farthest right position, someone will come along to your right and beat you in a primary. Not that you'll lose in a general election, but that you'll lose the extremes in your own party will beat you. That's true also to some extent, lesser extent, but to some extent in the Democratic Party. And so the extremes have driven the conversation in politics and the extremes have driven the conversation in media and more and more the way that the that people have found big audiences is by catering to the people who want to hear the most extreme things piped back to them. And those kind of, it, those sealed information bubbles have become the place where in this very complicated media landscape that we live in, the place where you could find an audience and no one wants the middle of the road anymore. No one finds that the way to get clicks. No one finds that the way to get eyeballs. And all of that just became a self-reinforcing thing where someone like Trump could characterize all of mainstream media as being far left, crazy town, conspiracy theory on the left media. There's a lot of other things going on, I would say, but this is a big part of it. Like the, there's like, if, if you tried to start a centrist network now, like, like I'm going to do a centrist cable news network, you couldn't raise money for it. Like you could, like no one would, well, I, I, we, I ran a company for three years called The Recount where we kind of came in and said, we're going to try to not do, we're going to try to call bullshit on everyone. Equal opportunity bullshit calling. And the first question every venture capitalist we talked to asked us is, well, what side are you going to be on? And we'd say, well, we're not going to be on anybody on the side of truth. And they'd say, ha, where's the audience in that? Like, we're not, like good luck. We'd love to see you succeed, but we're not going to write you a check. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's, it's, it's the economics is how capitalism works in our media landscape. It's, 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 you know, if it bleeds, it leads just at a more extreme level and with an ideological kind of component to it, rather than just a, 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 the one that, you know, bleeds, it leads being a crime thing. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's, and I think that's part of it. And Trump has just been very canny about being able to capitalize on that. What is so in 2023 that if I'd gone to you eight years ago as a seasoned journalist, you would have said, there's just no way that that will be so in 2023. That's not possible. That, uh, that Donald Trump is, um, is I think in eight years ago. So we're talking about you're going back to 2015. Oh, I'm just making it at some point. Made that number. Everything that so you had I, learned, everything you had learned up to your 40s about yeah. what was true about America and the world that you couldn't have fathomed uh, morphing into 2023, what presently is in front of you. I'm not making this Trump related. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can't help it because look, here's the most horrifying thing that's happened to me this year, okay? Or that I've witnessed. I was in Waco. Uh, for Trump's rally in Waco, uh, however long ago that was, a couple weeks ago now by the time this airs. In Waco, 
uh, a, a place where 30 years ago, uh, a religious cult leader named David Koresh uh, incinerated 82 of his own followers, including like 25 little kids, some of whom he had been previously raping, uh, who were in there like, like 12 and 13 year old girls. They had stockpiled a bunch of uh, uh, machine guns. And when the feds tried to break in, he lit the place on fire. That guy is now a martyr figure on the right. And you run into people who say, Donald Trump's just like David Koresh, you know? And I hear that and think, I would I want to be compared to David Koresh? I would not. No, no normal person would. They say he got sieged at Mar-a-Lago when the feds came down there, just like Koresh got sieged in 1990, uh, in 1994, 1993. And that's now like 30 years later, it's like this touchstone of uh, of the out of control government that are tyrannical and are trying to oppress people who have strong religious beliefs. And so Donald Trump holds a rally down there, the first big rally of his campaign in that setting and walks out on stage in front of, you know, maybe 10,000 people and plays a video from this group called the J6 Prison Choir. These are the people who've been arrested for staging a, an insurrection or sack, tried to sack the Capitol on January 6th. These people are incarcerated for having committed alleged crimes at that. And, and they've now recorded the uh, them, th this, these guys singing the national anthem. Trump has recorded for this song a recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance. He goes out on stage in front of 10,000 people, plays that with his hand over his heart, and they play video images of the riot at the Capitol of the of the insurrectionists beating cops with 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 flagpoles and 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 that is celebrated. That's the the Republican front runner for president in 2024 is a guy who is going to tell his followers and does that in the most concentrated way I can imagine in that story I just told you. He's going to tell them, hey, it's not just that January 6th wasn't as bad as as you think, or some of these people were peaceful protesters, or uh, the, 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 the liberal media has, has perverted the story. He's saying January 6th was a great and glorious day in the history of the country. These people are political prisoners. They are patriots. They did the right thing. That's the center of the, of the Republican frontrunners campaign for president, former president of the United States, now indicted. I, if you had asked me at any time, uh, prior to January 6th, 2021, I would have thought that was totally impossible. If you'd asked me about that 10 years earlier, I would have asked you like where you got the weed you'd been smoking because I would want to smoke some of that weed, but it was it's doing something bad to your head. I, I just, I, I find it unfathomable. It's the most un-American thing I may have, may have ever seen in my life uh, as a, from, a, from a political figure in our country. And that's where we are. And we're going to see a lot more of it over the next few months. The Dan Libertard Show with Sugats is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Keeping things bottled up can feel like carrying a weight that gets heavier with time. Whether it's talking to a trusted friend, journaling, or seeking professional help, finding ways to let out your thoughts and feelings can bring relief and help you navigate challenges more effectively. Remember, it's okay to reach out for help when you need it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash DLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DLB. Why would Trump lose in 2020 and win in 2024? I think it's very unlikely. I don't think it's impossible, though. I just have given up on impossibles. I think, you know, the way our, our system works is you got to win the nomination of your party first. And people often ask these questions. They're like, hey, how, you know, Trump's, Trump is doomed in the general election. I say, well, we got a two part thing here. You know, you get to be, you got to, and this is true in both parties, you got to win, your nom- win the nomination or else you don't get to run the general election. The general election is a tomorrow problem. You know, Trump right now is the most likely Republican nominee. His indictment, and I would say even if he's indicted in multiple settings, maybe it will help him even more. This indictment in New York that we saw last week and that he's getting arraigned for this week, uh, the mugshot, he's going to market the mugshot. We're going to see posters. He's. I had Doug Brinkley, the historian, say to us in the last episode of The Circus, he's like, he's already out there quoting Jesse James. He's going to run as the outlaw president. He's going to make... T-shirts and mugs and, uh, and posters of the mugshot and millions of people are going to buy them like the MAGA hats. He's going to run on the basis of that if he gets indicted in the special counsel cases in Washington or in the Georgia election fraud case. He's going to just that's going to be more uh, of a of a stigmata. He's, he's making himself into the martyred outlaw candidate of the right. He's the most likely nominee. I don't understand who there is. Certainly the governor down there where you are. Uh, I always thought was overrated. And now others are kind of saying, yeah, I guess Ron DeSantis might not really do so well against Trump. But look, I mean, someone, people will run against him, but he's likely to be the Republican nominee. And in our country, you know, when you're the nominee of your party, you have some chance. You're going to get 48% of the vote, 47% of the vote, and we have an electoral college. So you can win without winning the national popular vote. Do I think Donald Trump has 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 proven in 2018 in the midterms, 2020, 2022. He's gotten less popular over those times, over those over the over that time. He's caused damage to the Republican Party in the Senate, in the House. He's lost he lost himself, he lost for election. He's a loser at this point, just a proven loser. And there are lots of Republicans who see that and are like desperate to try to get rid of Trump for that reason. They don't think he can win uh in 2024. But he's going to run against, if he's the nominee, he's going to run against Joe Biden. Right now, 80% of Americans say that they don't want a president who's, 80, who's over 80 years old. Not about Biden, just they think that's too old, you know? And and a, a, an 80-year-old president running against uh, Donald Trump with all of that all of that energy in the Republican base is, you know, Biden did not have to really run a conventional campaign in 2000 because of COVID. Uh, you know, I... I don't think the math makes Donald Trump the likely winner of a general election against Joe Biden. Quite the contrary. And people in the Biden White House would like to run against Donald Trump more than anyone else. They fear anyone else and they fear Ron DeSantis. They fear other people. But do I think it's impossible? Do you know? It happens now. I mean, but it happens all the time. So how how is it possible that this is the best this country can do? That those that those two candidates are like how? How is that the best we can do? Hey, ma'am, do you uh, you're you're like you're a Democrat, right? I'm not. I don't. I don't affiliate with any party. I don't. I, politics has never been interesting to me my entire right. life. Um, and so, but, I, yes, I'm a registered Democrat. But right. uh, just what we're doing now yeah. isn't about party affiliations, or it's not about anything that represents me either. Like it's just like don't. It's 
it's not just merely lesser evils it's and lesser incompetences it's yeah. just everybody's weak and incompetent and i can't believe that these are our best choices as, as the world falls apart well look i agree with you 100 about that and i would say you know one question is like who wants this job who wants this job like who wants to be president like in a, in a situation like this i mean a smart you know you would would you tell your kids to like go and run for you know, want to go into politics as a career it's a pretty brutal thing to be in that arena now but you know you go back you think back to like 1988 you know was i mean i say all due respect to, to governor dukakis you know i think a lot of people looked up and said is mike dukakis really the best is that the most that the most talented democrat that we could put on the ticket this question recurs um but i agree with you you know, two. Why is how is it possible that it's two guys who are in there? Who is one of them is going to be nearing eighty, the other is going to be over eighty? How can that be the case in this country that we have a gerontocracy? You know, until this Congress changed over, you had the Democratic leaders were Nancy Pelosi, uh, Steny Hoyer, and 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 Jim Clyburn, uh, all of them in their eighties. How can you have it like a, a, like a, an old folks home as the leading? Uh, as the leaders of the Democratic Party and the U.S. House of Representatives, I, 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 you know, they now that has changed and the Democratic Party is led by younger people. But for a long time, it was just, you know, another example of the gerontocracy. I don't, uh, you know, is it that all the best and the brightest young people like look at politics and go, that's a fucking toxic sewer. I don't want to be part of that. Like, give me a job, you know, in crypto, you know, like, I, you know, but I want to ask you, but Dan, I want to ask you that question. I want to turn one question back on you. And I, 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 because I'm interested, you know, as someone who is much more normal American in the sense of your relationship to politics than someone who either covers it or is in it. What's your answer to the question you asked me prior to that, which is like, what, what are you most stunned by if you look at our national life, a thing that like eight years, whatever, pick your years, eight years, 10 years, whatever ago, you would never have believed possible. What's your what's your take on that? That fomenting hatred works among decent human beings uh, who could be manipulated so that uh, the divisions in this country make it feel like people are actually flippant about how precious freedom is. That was a good, that was a shorter answer than mine. Well, all of mine would be because yours are long answers, but you got steamrolled on, I felt bad for you on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher because you ran into somebody who is loud, boisterous, unspooling, charismatic, jokester. And yeah. I, wa I wanted to think, uh, for those who did not see it, Russell Brand was... Uh, was next to John and just kept going and going, and he's very artful about dominating conversation. What did you really want to say to him that you couldn't get the opening to say because he kind of hogged the platform? Well, I mean, look, uh, I like Russell Brand at Gabs of the Greek. Um, he's become, he wants to be Joe Rogan. He's be, that's his thing. He got canceled. He's decided he wants to be the Rogan of Britain. He's got a big following. It's the Rogan audience, right? And so, you know, he had been, he's on, he's on, uh, he's on, uh, uh, Rum, on, uh, what's it called? Rumble, Bumble, whatever that <laughs> platform is that all the right wing guys are on. He's on, he's, he's on the platform with Sean Hannity and, and, uh, and, and Donald Trump Jr. and, and all of the, the whole alt right, uh, conspiracy theory crowd. He's, you know, he peddles a lot of conspiracy theories about COVID. He peddles conspiracy theories about world government. He peddles, you know, he peddles a lot. It's just that that is his spiel. I I don't have a uh I don't have a beef uh with people who have that have those views, whatever. Uh, the thing about the show that was frustrating was, and and you know this, if you're a host of a show, you're in control of the show in theory, and you and you run the show. I mean, if I were hosting the show, I, I would not let a guest 
do that filibuster at that in that way. And if you're a guest on the show, no one invited me to do a debate with Russell Brand. If someone said, hey, come in and let's do a debate with Russell Brand, I would have walked in being like, hey, okay, I'm ready to debate Russell Brand. I'm a guest. He's a guest. Uh, my, my attitude is, yes, I can speak at, at length, but I'm also... I'm not there to fight with the guests. I've been on that show like 15 times. I've never had been in an argument with anybody, even though the people on the panels I disagree with. We just, the whole point of it's supposed to be a civilized discourse with people who disagree with each other on camera, not a, a thing where someone is going to filibuster and use, uh, 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 you know, I don't know what the, the right phrase is for it. It's a little bit, it's sophistry, right? It's that thing, it's crowd-pleasing sophistry, which is, and Bill caught him on it later. You know, he's like, there's no difference between Democrats and Republicans. It's all the same. They're all corporate and they're captured, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it, if you'd had a decent conversation, you could have had a more thorough discussion in that it came up on the panel of, hey, man, like, okay, sure. Um, uh, but, you know, Democrats were in favor of nationalized, of, of, of uh, universal health care. Republicans weren't. Like that seems like for for many many Americans a pretty pretty important distinction, um, and you can say you're frustrated that our politics take place between the forty yard lines, uh, and I'd like to widen the 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 sense of possibilities for for more radical policies. But the reality is, what Americans are voting on is you know one party believes that the January sixth uh, insurrection is was okay at 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 worst and and glorious at best. Another party believes that it was an insurrection and that cops got killed, were beaten for doing their jobs, and that it was a fucking travesty. Those are not small differences, nor are the differences between believing in in uh, in universal health care and, and believing not in universal health care. And I think that those, it's easy to do the bromide of everyone's corrupt, everything's bad, and hey, let's all hold hands and 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 say kumbaya and pray for a better future, which seems to be in one in terms of actual solutions or platforms that Russell Brand wants to put forward. That's kind of what he wants to say. Everyone needs to wake up and and be. I I, I don't. Then that's I think my other question, which is. If you believe that there's a giant worldwide conspiracy of pharmaceutical companies, this and 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 defense contractors and and the global elite, which I you know in many cases for these people includes George Soros, the 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 noted uh, <laughs> noted uh, anti semite. They like they call him an anti semite, even though he's a Jewish man who fled the Holocaust uh, uh, from Hungary when he was a child. You know, this giant global cabal, which is the Russell Brand line. It's like, if you believe all of that, like, you know, I'd like to have a kind you, and you think that our Democrats and Republicans, labor and conservative parties, whatever, that they're all basically the same. Like, what's your mechanism for like, how are you going to change that? You know, it's a question you've raised a little bit on this on this call, which is I would have said, OK, like, you know, what is the what's the mechanism? How how are we going to uh, other than like, scoring cheap points, decrying everyone and claiming they're all the same and they're all bad uh, and getting a big cheer from people who think that everybody sucks? Like, what's the what's the program and what's the pathway towards some different kind of politics? This is my rational view, you know, my 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 less uh, rational view on that show would have been stop touching me. <laughs> Yes, he you did, know, which did. is like a dominance bullshit move that people do. And you know this because you've been on TV a lot, Dan. It's like when some dude is touching you on television all the time, they're just basically, I have a dogs, so, you know, it's like they're doing this dominance thing. And the truth is when you're on TV with someone and they do that to you, there's nothing you can do. If you, if you react to it, you're going to look like you're being overly sensitive. But the truth is what you would do if you, someone did that to you in a bar is say, why the are you touching me? Take your hands off me or I'm going to punch you in the fucking face. But you're not going to say that on television with somebody because you're too polite and you're you're going to look like 
people and you're going to look like you're being too sensitive. But I get this is a thing, right? You know, this is a, he has a shtick. Um, it was unfortunate to have to sit there and, and kind of tolerate it. But, you know, I'm a big boy. It's fine. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I've always found Bill Maher interesting. I've found his aging to be stubborn and that young people don't have an appreciation for what his career is, how amazing a career yeah. it's it's been. Yeah. And now he feels threatened, but is covering it in bravado. Uh, your thoughts on the changes in Bill Maher over the last, like what's going on with him? I mean, I'm a fan of Bill's and, and, and he's had me on the show a whole bunch of times and I, and I appreciate it. And, and I guess I would say, um, that the people often would, you know, when, when Bill started to raise questions about COVID policy, for instance, this was a lightning rod for people, um, uh, in the, at least in social media, like, you know, uh, people would say, you know, how, how can you go on that show with, with, with Bill Maher? And I would say, you know, this goes back to the premise of the show. I would say, I don't, I mean, Bill's entitled to his opinion. He can say what he wants to say. Like, as long as I get to have my opinion, you know, I get to say what I have to say. Like, that's fine. I, that's all right. You know, if, if we're going to go on and we're going to sit in a place where Bill and some guests who all have different points of view get to state their points of view, that's cool. That's fine with me. Like, and some of you, Bill's questions about certain things, like whether the masking policy really made sense or not, those are reasonable questions, you know? Um, I think that uh, in general, I would say, Dan, that people who, I, Bill has been, you know, fantastically acute on the dangers that Trump uh, posed. He's been fantastically prescient about, about he said all throughout 2020, if Trump loses, he's not going to admit that he lost and he's going he's gonna to try to stay in power. And he did. That's a pretty big thing to get right. I, I would say that, you know, uh, I have some sympathy for those who think that woke culture has gone too far. Um, but I don't think they're the same, that, 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 that the threat to America that woke culture poses is the same as the threat that authoritarianism and, and autocracy poses. And so the, the, I don't, uh, you know, when I listen to some of when, when Bill says some of the things he says, I find myself thinking, I don't really even disagree with the, some of his attacks on the woke culture, but there's a little bit, uh, he makes them seem like they're equivalent, like they're equivalent threats. He gives equal time to them. And I kind of want to say, Hey man, like, I, you can take some shots at woke culture, you know. I think some of the stuff that, that Chappelle says is really funny and really on the nose too. But is it really as big a threat as Donald Trump? You see how big a threat Donald Trump is. Like, let's give, let's think about proportion here, about proportionality. I think that's my main, that's my main point. And I, and I do, I, I respect, I really respect the fact that even that that throughout on that show, he's had an incredible career, and and to this day, almost all the time, Russell Brand accepted. 
you know, the show is generally a civilized place where people who come from different points of view and the fact that it merges politics and culture the way it does, I find it really appealing. And, and I, you know, it was kind of why the brand thing was so surprising to me because it was sort of like, hey, if you want to have, if you want to do an interview with Russell Brand and the, at the beginning of the show and to go one-on-one with him, sure. If that's, you know, you know what he's going to be like, bring him on, have the conversation, you know, deal with it. But I think to to put him on a panel was not necessarily a wise to, to put him in a panel situation with a, a co-panelist might not have been the wisest. I asked this question innocently without knowing the answer to it. Yeah. I'm not yeah. suggesting that he is Rogan or Brand, but how is Bill Maher different than Rogan and Brand? Uh, well, I think I mean, look, I don't, um, I I don't, you know, I'm gonna, I think. I mean, I don't have never felt in any conversations with, with, I've, I've never been on Joe Rogan's show. So let, let, let me stipulate that. I've never seen uh, Bill in any conversation I've ever uh, been part of with him, either public or private, engage in the kind of bombastic, uh, long-winded uh, sophistry that, that Russell Brand did on that show. That's not the way that Bill runs that show. It's not the way he behaves in public. He, you know, he, and, and not, not the way he conducts himself. I think that's a huge difference. There's no kind of like, there's no demagoguery to Bill's uh, beliefs. I think he's oh, not no, but to, No, no, but he's got his convictions and they're so stubborn about what he's learned. I think Brand and Rogan are actually more curious than Bill Maher is. I think Bill Maher is formed. He, he believes what he believes and there will be no changing it. No new information will change it. And I say that, as I said, as someone who finds him pretty relentlessly interesting, but I also think he's shouting at clouds and young people now, clouds and, and college students. Uh, you know, he, uh, I, I'll say that on that show with Russell Brand, he said, you know, he, 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 as I said, he, he pointed out, uh, pretty, uh, he pointed out two things that, that were, uh, in the middle of Brand's bromides. Uh, he said, you know, hey, there's really is a difference between Democrats and Republicans. And he stood up for that. And I think that's an important thing. And I, and he also got in there and said, even as, as Brand was yelling about ivermectin and trying to use that as an example, you know, uh, well, I could say a little more about that if you want, but uh, he, as he was yelling about ivermectin, Bill sort of stood up and said, you know, I have a lot of doubts about various things about how COVID was uh, handled, but, you know, some people needed these policies, right? And it saved people's lives. So I, again, I think there's a, um, uh, I, I don't want to get into, I don't listen to Rogan on a regular basis. I really kind of meant more that the Russell branch, that Russell Brand was aiming at the, at the Rogan audience. And I think that, I think that is true. I don't know that I think Russell Brand is more curious than Bill Maher. I'm not sure I would take that as a, I, I would, I, I'm not sure that I would stand by that statement, but I do think that, um, I do think there are a lot of people, uh, then Bill is, is, is obviously tapping into something when he expresses the things he expresses about some of what, a lot of people think are the excesses of woke culture. Again, I don't think that it is anything like some giant threat to American society in the way that some people seem to think. But I do think there are people out, many people in America who are kind of like, I don't really, I don't want to be told how to talk about stuff. Well, I just like, the, no, but this is the, the thing, right? This is Chappelle and this is all of them. It, they, they'll protect yeah. comedy and the ability to make a living above all yeah. else. Like it's not even like, it's not Bill Maher's not protecting the democracy. Bill Maher is someone who was canceled for saying after nine 11 on a show called politically incorrect that you could call those kamikaze uh, bombers, a lot of thing, but you couldn't call them cowards because that wasn't cowardice to give your life to something. He's protecting right. the ability to be Bill Maher, like to say whatever the hell he wants. Well, and and I, I look, I mean, uh, is that, is that I, I'm not sure that I think that's a problem. That's I'm not sure that's problematic. I, you know, I'm 
I, oh, I I'm think just the, saying it's disguised yeah. as something else. Is all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's problematic. I mean, you're you're disguising it as a principle when all it is is camouflage for you want to keep being able to do whatever the hell you want to do. And I I don't blame you. I'd want to too if I were you. Yeah. Um. I mean, look. I think that this is a case where. Um. I mean, it's an interesting. I mean, it's an interesting discussion around around the comedians. You know, when when you hear, um, and I won't say it's just Chappelle. There's other people who are like this too. We sort of talk about the power of the, of like the trans lobby, you know, what they would call the, you know, the trans, the, the trans lobby, the power of them to kid to cancel someone. And you're like, Hey, you gotta look at like you're canceled. You know, like you're like, you're still filling up arenas. You're still making plenty of money. You still got a big, you can still get the big Netflix, Netflix contract. They have power, uh, but they don't have, they're not, you know, to, to put about cancel culture when you haven't really been canceled in any meaningful way and you're still making a living seems a little, sometimes a little bit off. Um, I do think that there is a, there is a both, the two things can, that, that, that I am not a big fan of false binaries. So it's like either or. I think you can both be uh, upholding a principle, which is that people should be allowed to say what they want to say uh, within obviously some limits, but there should be a big, broad uh, avenue for, especially for artists, for creators, for people like comedians or and other artists to be able to, to be transgressive to say things that upset people and not get crucified for that. And, and that that's an important principle in terms of how art works and how our culture talks to itself. And that there should be that people who are in, to use a Chappelleism, that people are tourists who people have become excessively brittle about some of that kind of commentary. And that that is a principle worth fighting for that people should be allowed to say things, even if they rubs a lot of people, some people the wrong way. And that that principle aligns with their economic interests. I don't think those. I think those two things are. That's an and both to me, not an either or. And and I think that I I I get yes that that many people who champion free speech rights that it is also that's the way they make their they make they want to be able to stay keep those rights because they make their money. But I don't think that means that they're wrong about championing the principle. You can watch new episodes of The Circus on Showtime on Sundays. You can listen and subscribe to John's podcast, Hell and High Water, wherever it is you get your podcast. Sir, I thank you for your time, and I do enjoy the show. I recommend that folks check out The Circus. It'll get you downloaded very fast. They do a very thorough job, and it's hard to do what they do, which is pull that off weekly uh, at that kind of intensity. I cannot imagine how much time all of that takes. That doesn't seem in any way sane. Thank you, sir. Stu Gatz here for my friends over at Simply Safe. When you travel, do concerns back home nag you? Did you lock up? Did you leave a window open? That's why I recommend investing in Simply Safe Home Security today for award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. I've had Simply Safe in my home for many years now. The peace of mind it gives me, especially during the summertime when I'm all over the place, is incredible because I know the things I care about, the things I value back home. I can always keep an eye on it using Simply Safe's indoor and outdoor cameras. So do me a favor. Before you head out on your next vacation, make sure to protect your whole home with Simply Safe variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, plus add sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day, no contracts to worry about, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. So right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash DLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe.